Hello everyone, how are you doing today? Welcome to Tall Tales with Alex and today's adventure, Cauldron Chaos. Now, as we dive into this world, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a shop. It's a very tall and thin shop. The bricks are deep red. There are two big windows on either side of the front door. In these windows, are hundreds of tiny snow globes. Above the door is a sign that looks very old and faded. The sign reads, Mrs. Cardinal's Magic Snow Globe Shop. Keep using your imagination and let's walk through the front door. Mrs. Cardinal's shop has so many snow globes on so many shelves that you can't even see the back of the shop. And the shelves are so high that you can't even see the ceiling. Nobody knows where Mrs. Cardinal came from or how long the shop has been there because the shop has been there longer than anyone has been alive. Mrs. Cardinal's snow globes are magical and every single one is different. They're magical because as we look at them, the snow globes take us to an amazing world far away from the one we're in now. Keep your eyes closed and let's walk over to a shelf and pick up a snow globe. Wow, what an excellent choice of globe. Inside this globe is a cauldron like a witch or wizard would use to make magic potions. There's a bright green glitter that floats around the cauldron as though the potion is spilling into the air. This is the story of Spellifity Tricks, a young witch who lives in a house high atop some magical cliffs. Let's begin our adventure. Imagine for me now a large cliff that stretches high into the sky with an ocean at the bottom of it, the waves crashing, splashing and breaking against the rocks. In this cliff is a small bay with a whirlpool at the center of it. The water in the bay spins and spins at an extremely fast speed, whipping up the air around it, creating gusts of wind that carry birds for hundreds of miles around. This is the center point of all magic in the world. It's the most magical place on planet Earth. Witches and wizards have come to this place for hundreds of years to practice their magic and learn how they can use it to help as many people as possible but only one family lives here. Let's use our imaginations to travel up the side of the cliff, high above the splashing water below. I know, why don't we use the swirling winds in the bay to carry us up? Imagine you're standing on the edge of the rocks next to the whirlpool. We're going to jump on the count of three. Ready? One, two, Three, jump! The wind is so strong that it picks you out of the air and whooshes you up into the sky. The sound of the wind roars in your ears as we float up to the top of the cliff before it gently places you down on the ground. Now we're right at the very top of the cliff, looking out at an enormous ocean. There isn't a cloud in the sky, just the brightest blue you've ever seen. Now as you look out on this ocean, I want you to turn around and imagine for me a house. The house sits right at the top of this cliff, not far from the edge. It isn't a very wide or long house, 
but it is extremely tall and thin. It reaches up five floors into the sky, with a very pointy roof, a bit like a witch's hat. It's not very straight either. It bends and wobbles, looking like it could fall over in any direction at any time. The windows are in many different shapes. Some are square, others are circles, there's even some triangle windows. A large chimney twists out from the roof, bending in lots of different directions, and there's lots of smoke coming out of it. That's probably because this house belongs to the Trix family. A very magical family who often use their fireplace to brew special potions in their cauldrons. In the Trix family, there are five people. There's the mummy, called Zapadora. The daddy's name is Coloran. There's Auntie Pelks. And little Dibble, who is the younger brother of a special young witch named Spellifity. They all live in this amazing, tall, thin house together practicing their magic and learning how they can use it to help everyone around them. Their family have lived in the house for hundreds of years, going back as far as their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents. Let's walk up to the house and step through the door. The door looks very old. The wood is dark and battered, probably from years of being right at the top of a cliff by the sea. The salty air has worn away at the house, giving it a very old and magical look. As we open the door, it lets out a loud creak. We're in a kitchen with a big wooden table. There's a fireplace in the corner with a cauldron bubbling away on it. Let's have a look inside and see what special potion is brewing. Can you see the potion inside? What colour is it? And now I want you to take a deep breath in and smell the potion. What does it smell like? Is it a nice smell? Let's step away from the cauldron now because it's very hot and we don't want to feel too warm. The sound of footsteps running down the stairs can be heard, and into the kitchen comes a young girl. It's Spellivity Trix, wearing a magical robe with a big hood. Where on earth is my cauldron? said Spellivity, looking around the room. She knelt down and looked under the table. No cauldron there. So she headed over to the cupboards, opening them one at a time and peering inside. There was a cauldron in one, but it wasn't hers. The cauldron in the cupboard was a bit smaller than hers and belonged to her younger brother, Dibble. Where, oh where, could it be? Mum! Dad! Has anybody seen my cauldron? She called out. I need it for potion practice and I can't find it anywhere. There was no answer. I could have sworn I left it in the cupboard, but the only one in there is Dibble's. As she said this, a look of worry appeared on her face. Oh no! If she couldn't find her cauldron, but she could find Dibbles, that could only mean one thing. Dibble! Spliffity called out. Dibble, where are you? She ran up the stairs and looked around. No sign of Dibble. So she ran up to the next floor. Still no sign of Dibble. 
So she ran up one more floor to look around, and still there was no Dibble to be found. So she ran up the stairs once again to the very top floor of the house where hers and Dibble's bedrooms were, and she couldn't find her little brother anywhere. So she went into her bedroom, went over to the circle-shaped window, and opened it. She poked her head outside and shouted, Dibble! From far below, she heard her brother's voice call back. What? There he was. There was Dibble, sat at the roadside with a table and chair, and Spurlifity's cauldron. Worried, Spilifty closed the window and began to run down and down and down and down and down the stairs until she finally reached the bottom of the tall house. She bolted out of the door and ran down the path to where her brother was. Dibble, what on earth are you doing with my cauldron? I've been looking for it everywhere, she asked her brother. Well, I've been using it to make lemonade and selling it out here to our neighbour, he replied. Spilifty's face went pale white. Oh no, she said. But I hadn't cleaned it properly after using it to make potions yesterday. Did you make sure you gave it a good wash before using it? Dibble looked confused. No, I just picked it out of the cupboard and made some delicious lemonade. Spilifty put her head in her hands. Dibble, you know the first rule of cauldron use is to always make sure you properly wash the cauldron before you use it. I was using that cauldron to practice making a potion that would allow people to jump really high. Have you sold any of the lemonade to anyone? Dibble looked down at the piece of paper next to him and said, Yes, to three people. Look, I made receipts. That's just good business practice. Spilifity couldn't believe it. You're telling me three people have drunk the lemonade that still contained some of the potion I was making yesterday? Dibble... Who knows what chaos that could cause, she said. We need to head inside right now and find out exactly what problems we might have on our hands. So together they picked up the cauldron and carried it back to the house, making sure to pour away the magical lemonade down the drain just to be extra safe. They opened the front door and headed back inside. Right, Dibble, I'm going to head upstairs and find the big potion book while you stay down here and give the cauldron a good clean. Spilifty said to her brother. Make sure you get every last bit of potion. Don't leave a single bit in there. Spilifty ran upstairs to the little library room and pulled out her little stepladder. She placed it next to a shelf of books and climbed up to get a better look. There was A Beginner's Guide to Spells, The Bumper Book of Big Charms, An Early Guide to Magical Animals, but finally, she found the book she was looking for. Level 1 Potions, A Cauldron's Guide. She picked it up off the shelf and took it back downstairs to the kitchen, where her brother was busy cleaning the cauldron as thoroughly as he could. She ran over to the table, placed the book down with a loud thud, opened it, and began to turn the pages trying to find the right potion. Aha! Here it is. This is the potion I was making. Elevatus Boingo. A potion to make people jump extremely high. The ingredients are two pouches of seaweed, 12 dandelions, a teaspoon of crushed garlic and sand from a faraway beach. Now, let's see what it says happens if we add extra ingredients. Now, what did you use to make your lemonade? 
she asked Dibble. Dibble had a little think before saying, uh, It was very simple, just water, lemon and sugar. Spilifity put her finger on the page and read through all the possible ingredients. She stopped when she found lemons. <gasps> oh no, this is terrible. It says here that adding lemons into the potion will turn whoever drinks the potion into a frog, she cried out. Well, that would make them good jumpers, to be fair, said Dibble. That's not the point, Spilifity said desperately. Nobody wants to be turned into a frog. Dibble had another think, then asked, Well, what about the sugar? Maybe that helped. Maybe it stopped them from turning into frogs. So Spilifity looked back down at the page and searched until she found sugar. No, no, it says here that adding sugar into the potion will, well, just make it taste a bit nicer, that's all. Oh no, Dibble, we have to find these people and help them. They can't be stuck as frogs forever. Dibble agreed. Let me go and find the book of counter potions, he said. And he bolted up the stairs in search of the book. Spilifity read through the rest of the potion to see if it had any more information about the people that had been turned into frogs. As Dibble appeared downstairs, Spilifity said, It says here in the book that the frogs will be quite large, about the size of a loaf of bread with yellow and red spots on their backs. Well, said Dibble, that should make it a bit easier to spot them. Spilifity took the book of counter potions from Dibble and began to go through all the pages trying to find the potion that would undo the mess that had been made and turn those poor people back into humans again. When she found it, she began to call out the ingredients that they would need, so Dibble could run around the kitchen fetching them. I need two tablespoons of fish scales, one pinch of ground unicorn horn, twelve blades of grass from the top of a mountain, and some orange juice. Dibble gathered all the bits needed for the potion and laid them out on the table. Right, step back Dibble, I've got to get to work on this potion, said Spilifity. She followed the directions of the book, step by step. First she poured in the orange juice, before adding in the fish scales. She allowed it to bubble for one minute, giving it three clockwise stirs. Then she threw the ground unicorn horn into the cauldron over her left shoulder and span around on the spot five times. There were two more minutes of watching the cauldron bubbling before she had to put in ten of the twelve blades of grass. The last two blades of grass could only go in after she'd said something nice to them. To the blade in her right hand, she said, I think you're a lovely shade of green. And to the blade in her left hand, she said, You're an impressively sharp blade of grass. Then she popped them into the cauldron, gave it four stirs anti-clockwise, and said the magic word, Gargly Lampipoos, and let it cool down. Okay, Dibble, now I need you to fetch a spray bottle. The potion book says we need to spray this potion onto the frogs to make them turn back into humans. While Dibble fetched the nearest spray bottle, Spilifity got the ladle. She poured the potion carefully into the bottle and screwed the lid on tight. As they were getting ready to leave the house in search of the three frogs, Spilifity paused and had a think. Hmm, I wonder how we're going to find these frogs. 
There's a lot of space outside that they could have hopped to. Dibble stroked an imaginary long wizard's beard as he thought, before saying, Well, frogs make a little ribbit sound. Maybe we can find them by listening out for that sound. Spellifity was very impressed. That's a brilliant idea, Dibble, and I know the perfect spell that can help us. Stand very still while I do it. And she whipped out her magic wand, pointed it at her brother, and said the magic words, Audio in Gorgio. Immediately, her brother's ears grew three times as large as they normally were. Wow, said Dibble. I can hear everything so clearly. He turned to face the cauldron, which was all the way on the other side of the kitchen, and he could hear the sound of the potion quietly bubbling away. They stepped outside, and Dibble could hear the sounds of birds flapping their wings high in the sky above them. He could even hear the sound of tiny footsteps coming from a row of marching ants. With ears like this, we should be able to find these frogs in no time, said Dibble. And off the pair set, in search of Dibble's poor potion-guzzling people. Imagine just wanting some nice refreshing lemonade and ending up turning into a frog hopping around outside. Dibble looked towards the road, but heard nothing. So he looked towards their garden and listened closely with his newly grown ears. There! He could hear the sound of a low frog ribbit in the grass. He started to walk in the direction of the sound. It got a little louder. This way, Spellifity! I think I can hear one! With every step, the sound got louder and louder. Until finally, they spotted it. A frog with yellow and red spots on its back about the size of a loaf of bread. Have you ever seen a frog before? They're very interesting looking creatures, but they're usually quite small. Not normally the size of a loaf of bread. Wow, it's quite odd seeing a frog this size, said Spellifity. Right, step back, Dibble. I'll give it a spray and let's see who this frog really is. So she took a step forward aimed the spray bottle at the frog, and squeezed. There was a bright light, and a cloud of smoke flew into the air. When the smoke cleared, standing where the frog once stood, was Mrs. Barnet, their elderly next-door neighbour. Oh yes, I remember now, said Dibble. One of the lemonades I sold was to Mrs. Barnet. She was very thirsty. Mrs. Barnet looked around, blinking slowly, pushing her glasses up onto the top of her nose. She blinked some more. Spellifity asked, Are you okay, Mrs. Barnet? Where am I? Mrs. Barnet asked. One moment I was walking down the road, enjoying a nice cold glass of lemonade. The next thing I know, I'm here. And what's this stuck between my teeth? She reached her hand up to her mouth, and from between her teeth, pulled out a fly. Why is there a fly in my teeth? Dibble looked at Spellifity nervously. Maybe we shouldn't tell her she was turned into a frog, he whispered. 
I think it might be a bit of a shock. You're in our garden, Mrs Barnett. I think you must have been admiring the flowers. Anyway, we've got to run. Lots to do. We'll see you soon. And the pair ran out of the garden in search of the next frog. Right, Dibble. Put those enormous magical ears to use and see if you can find the next frog. Uh, person. The next frog person. Dibble closed his eyes and focused on listening very closely. He could hear the sound of a car driving slowly down a country lane many miles away. He heard the sounds of the waves crashing far below at the bottom of the cliff. He even heard the sound of someone trimming their hedge in the next village. But through all of these sounds, he heard, Ribbit. But wait. Ribbit, ribbit. That sounded like, Ribbit, ribbit. That sounded like two frogs. Follow me, shouted Dibble, as he bolted off in the direction he heard the noise coming from. Spilifity and Dibble ran down the road, past house after house, until eventually Dibble came to a stop. Here, this is where I heard the riveting coming from. They were outside the house of Mr and Mrs Boutwood. So, where are the frogs? I don't see them anywhere, asked Spilifity as she searched the grass and bushes around the house. Dibble closed his eyes again and focused on where the sound was coming from. It's not coming from the ground. It's coming from up there, he said, and he pointed to a small tree. Sure enough, perched on the branches were two frogs with yellow and red spots the size of a loaf of bread. Well done, Dibble. Good job using those ears. Now quick, you take the spray bottle, climb on my shoulders and spray it on the frogs. You should be able to reach if we stretch really high, said Spilifity. So Dibble clambered onto his sister's shoulders as Spilifity went on her very tippy toes. And reaching as high as he could, Dibble squeezed the spray bottle and squirted the potion, covering the frogs in a mist. Once again, there was a flash of light and two big clouds of smoke went poof, poof. There, in the tree, perched exactly like frogs, were Mr. and Mrs. Boutwood. They looked at each other in confusion. What on earth are we doing up in this tree? said Mr. Boutwood. And why do my legs ache so much? said Mrs. Boutwood. It's as if I've been jumping for hours. Spilifity, thinking on her feet, said, Uh, I think you were climbing trees all day, and you were so tired from all the trees you climbed that you must have decided to take a nap in the branches. Mr. Boutwood looked confused. That doesn't make sense. I haven't climbed a tree in years. Plus, it's a Tuesday. I should be at work. Mrs. Boutwood looked at Dibble and asked, And why does Dibble have such large ears? And as she rubbed her eyes in disbelief, Spilifity quickly pulled out her wand, whispered the magic words, Audio Shrinko! And Dibble's ears went and shrunk back down to their normal size, just in time. Mrs. Boutwood looked very confused. I could have sworn his ears were much bigger a minute ago, she said. Spilifity began to push Dibble back towards the house. Nope, just regular-sized Dibble ears. Same size they've always been, she called back behind her. Dibble turned to his sister and asked, Why are we running? 
Why do you think? said Spilifity. What did I tell you is cauldron rule number one? Dibble let out a gasp. <gasps> Clean your cauldron! Quick! Let's get back before someone uses the cauldron to make a soup! And off the duo shot back to their house, hopefully in time to stop some more magical chaos. And that is the end of this story. Thank you so much for listening. What was your favourite part of the story? Maybe you could keep using your imagination to draw some pictures from today's adventure. If you're enjoying Tall Tales with Alex, don't forget to tell your friends about it. It would be amazing to share these journeys with even more children. I'm already looking forward to our next adventure. And until I see you next, don't get into mischief. <laughs>